Hey friends, welcome back to this week's episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. I'm your non-diet dietitian, trainer, and host Katie, and this is episode 260. Today, I'm bringing you expert Sarah McDevitt. She actually works with Core by Hyper Ice, and we're talking all about meditation. We're going to bust some myths. We're going to talk about what it is, what it isn't. You know, why is meditation and stress management so hard for us? So I really think you're going to enjoy today's episode, especially if you're like me and you struggle to meditate, but you know, it'd be good for you. You're really going to enjoy it. All right, theme on the show. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour, a podcast about all things nutrition, fitness, and life in your 20s and 30s, all from a non-diet lens. I'm your host, Katie Hake, and I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist and certified personal trainer. Join me here every week as I talk with interesting people and experts from all walks of life about their relationship with food and their bodies. I'll also share my experience working with clients in my private practice to help women find food freedom and body confidence. I'm on a mission to help you stop quantifying and start living. Learn to stop measuring your success by the scale and find your fears. Hey, Sarah, happy Friday. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour. Happy Friday. Excited to be here. So excited to talk about this topic of just the product, this, this topic, the skeptics about you know meditation and kind of hopefully bust some myths. But tell us, our audience, about yourself, who you are, how you've gotten to meditation, what's kind of your story behind health? Yeah. So uh, my name is Sarah McDevitt, and I am currently the head of mind technologies for Hyperice, which happened through a journey for sure. So I started out my career in engineering and after a number of years uh, working, I was going to go to grad school. And for some reason in between kind of quitting this job, moving states, there was a relationship ending at the time, sort of all this change in my life. And um, at that time, I kind of ran into a, a brick wall of anxiety, I call it. I had never experienced that before in my life. I was an athlete. I had, you know, kind of a uh, a very West Coast chill mindset, you know, yeah. about things, and just had never identified with that, and it was very sudden and confusing, and that is what started me down this path. Someone introduced me to meditation at the time, and it just so happened that it was a time where I was headed into grad school with an opportunity to do a lot of research, mm-hmm. and so it, my own skeptic's mind, you know, kind of my engineering brain was like, what's actually happening here? Like, is this legit? Yeah, I need is to know the science. science. I need exactly. to know how this works. <laughs> exactly. So I got to dive head first into the science behind it and really start to understand kind of the mechanics of uh, meditation and also just mental health conditions in general. Mm. You mentioned that like the anxiety came on pretty sudden for you. Were you able to pinpoint it as anxiety or, you know, were you an active person growing up? Did you have kind of a certain relationship with fitness? Was any of it tied to that? Yeah, I was an athlete. I played basketball in college. And so I definitely had the mindset of like, you know, if if I have an injury or I need to strengthen something, you know, you go to the gym, you tough it out, get stronger, (laughs) that kind of mentality. And when this hit, I, I didn't really know what it was, I would say, but I did know that it was like a different beast. Like I I kind Mm -hmm. of immediately knew that that attitude wasn't going to solve it right away. 
but I also just hadn't identified with that at all in my life. And so I didn't consider it like, I I didn't want to go the medication route, which is completely acceptable and great and important for many people. But I just kind of had that initial approach of like, I want to, I want to see if I can kind of work on this in a natural way. Mm -hmm. And I think so many of our listeners can resonate with that kind of athlete mindset of, Mm -hmm. let me just grit my teeth. Let me power through. I don't really need to handle this or, you know, so what was your experience like then when you first started meditating? Yeah. The first thing that really resonated for me, which was actually through a a book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And and he's totally like an oddball character. Mm -hmm. If you ever watch him, you know, be interviewed or anything. But the one thing that first stood out to me was just simply this separation of thought of, you know, thought about the past, present moment and future. And it just was this initial click that was like, oh yeah, if I'm spiraling on something that hasn't even happened yet, you know, what it hasn't happened yet. What am I doing? I'm acting Mm -hmm. like it's already happening. And, Mm -hmm. or, you know, if I'm trying to replay something in the past as if I could change it, you know, I can't. And so there's, there's a certain level of planning and a certain level of kind of like retrospective reflection that's very valuable, but I was, you know, experiencing it to a point where it was just like spiraling thought that was very difficult to get out of. And so one of the things that first clicked with meditation was just that recognition that there is this, this present moment that's existing that we actually, it's hard to spend time in, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Uh, <laughs> um, and also that, you know, I think a lot of times people think of meditation or, or hear about it as like, you're giving up control, you know, stop trying to control everything. You're sort of escaping or releasing. And actually one of the things that clicked for me was you're actually gaining control in a lot of ways around your own thoughts. So yes, you're maybe learning to kind of release the attempt or the desire, the attachment to controlling everything around you, Mm -hmm. but it actually gave a very empowering sense of control back over my own mind. Yeah. That sense of control. And so many of our listeners too, who struggle with black or white thinking, you know, this all Mm -hmm. or nothing mentality. And a lot of times when it comes to dieting or over-exercising or body image, a lot of it all comes back to that, that core issue of control. Things Mm -hmm. are out of control in all these other areas of my life. And I need something to control. And obviously meditation or, you know, just what you're describing. Oh my gosh, what a better use of being able to channel that feeling of control. So can you kind of educate us (laughs) on what exactly is meditation? What is it not? Because I think there's a lot of confusion or just misconceptions. People think it's sitting crisscross applesauce with your fingertips together. And (laughs) it's, I think it's not that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So meditation is, I think one of the keys is that it's intentionally paying attention to something, some focal point in the present moment without judgment. And that's sort of a mindfulness-based definition of meditation. But I think some of the keys in that are one, it's not turning off your brain. (laughs) Like that's one thing I hear a ton, you know, it's just like, I I can't meditate because I can't turn my brain off. Mm. Um, And it's more active than that. Like you are sort of practicing mental exercises during meditation that 
your brain is like totally on. It's actually kind of an alert state that can also be very relaxed and calming. And then the second thing is that it is an intentional practice that can then just extend through day-to-day life as we're doing other things. So like, I think one way that we use the word meditation a lot is like running is my meditation or, you know, that kind of thing, which Mm -hmm. it's definitely related in terms of a sense of flow state in your mind, you know, which is super positive. But the way that we typically talk about meditation is sort of more of a intentional practice in order to be able to use these mental exercises in day-to-day life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one example of that, I worked in grad school with um, high school classrooms and bringing some of these practices into, you know, busy classrooms of 30, 16 year olds. And one of the things that we worked on was through the practice, even of three, five minutes frequently throughout the week of intentional meditation what it could help us do is, you know, when there's something that happens that we want to react to, and these kids were, you know, talking about fights at school, mm-hmm. like really reactive moments mm-hmm. that they could, by practicing these moments of stillness and sort of moments of mental awareness in meditation, they could kind of insert a little pause between, you know, something that sparked them and their response to that something. And yeah, that reactivity. Yeah, exactly. They really attach to that. And that's a big part, I think, for all of us. Yeah, I think of that too. I I love how you describe it as a it's an exercise, you know. And so for listeners kind of maybe resistant to the idea of meditation, if if they can start to open up their minds about, you know, we exercise our muscles, think of the brain as like another muscle and it it requires a different sort of modality, if you will, just like, whereas you mentioned that running example, running is the main piece and the meditative aspects of it are kind of supplemental. So I love that, that example. And I think of too, somebody listening, you mentioned that kids getting in fights, right. And that pause before they react. So many of our listeners struggle like with overeating, right. Or Mm -hmm. kind of that, I like to call it reactive eating where maybe it's mindless and there's no really thinking. So this could be, sounds like could be really beneficial to help with just that pause, that stillness, that moment before making a decision. Exactly. And it, it allows you to choose your response, right? I mean, back Mm. to the, the control concept, you know, like meditation can't solve the stressors that are around you, right? Like something Mm -hmm. happens in your life, but it can give you back the power to choose your response to it. And I think people talk about that a lot, but really breaking it down to those tangible moments, like you said, like, I mean, I, in the early pandemic, I was definitely eating for like, absolutely no healthy mm-hmm. reason, you know, comfort, like just comfort, who, yeah, all of us. You know, yeah. yeah. And so that's a great example of introducing and just strengthening the muscle of awareness of being like, Hmm, why am I <laughs> eating this, you know, right now? And mm-hmm. Maybe the reason is fine and you do it right, but just being aware gives you more ability to choose the response. Yeah, taking back that power. I love that word empowerment about the decision that you make, whether it's one way or the other, you you can feel confident about that decision, regardless of what it is. So what what is not meditation? Like, is there any more things out there that you want to this is your platform, like dispel <laughs> any myths about what it's not? 
Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest one I hear all the time is the, my brain is too busy. I can't turn my brain off. And especially from people who are hard driving, you know, kind of go-getters type A Mm -hmm. (laughs) personalities. And I think that's kind of the biggest myth to dispel. It is like an active and calming, alert, focused practice. And I really think of it almost entirely in analogies to working out and fitness. Yeah. Because it is, it just like you said, it's kind of like learning a new weight training skill. Like when you start, you're just trying to learn the fundamentals, the techniques. You're not really like lifting for performance necessarily. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then over time, you're able to build mastery of the skill. You're able to build strength in that skill. And there's so many different techniques and exercises within this very broad term of meditation that we can really kind of break them down into, into those kind of micro skills, micro mental yeah. skills. Opening up our minds to it. To yeah. Like a more of a challenge. If that's kind of how your brain works of, of seeing it in a different light. I like that. I'm sorry. I cut you off. What were you going to say? I was just going to say the other, it reminded me of another <laughs> myth to dispel is that you know, that you have to be like sitting and looking a certain way <laughs> or like laying down. And yeah, like you don't, you don't necessarily have to, you know, have your fingers in this perfect way and all that. I think there's just, there's been a, a branding of meditation in mm-hmm. our society that I didn't identify with. And That's it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's completely acceptable. Like if that works for you or if you're coming at meditate, there's certainly a very spiritual side of it if you want. But there's also just an incredibly practical side of meditation that is really good for your nervous system and really good for your long-term physical and mental health. So I like to kind of break it down in that way. It's like exercise, right? There's there's not one way. Exercise does not look like somebody lifting, you know, doing overhead snatches with a barbell, right? right. And so it's like that same idea. I like that. I think that is a really good way to think about it. So I'm curious from your perspective, especially from just the research side and, you know, being in this, in this environment, seeing it from so many levels, why do you feel that meditation or just even stress management in general is so, so difficult for many of us? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of it, I think has to do with our culture and society. There's a lot of elements of it that really reward kind of all out effort, (laughs) And it's really, it's very difficult to push against that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I mean, especially over the last couple of years, I think it's been such a universally stressful challenge over the last few years. And I think that both is connecting for people, like people are realizing that mental health is something that we all need to work on proactively in order to be okay when yeah. when really tough things happen and hopefully even you know resilient and adaptable and flexible and that's really positive like it used to be that we only talked about mental health within the context of diagnosed conditions mm-hmm. but i think now more and more people are realizing and society is kind of realizing cultural shifts are happening where we're recognizing it more as proactive and intentional practices i mean we're seeing we we just launched a corporate wellness initiative. To oh, bring, awesome. Yeah. We're bringing um, kind of forward thinking leaders and employers who are recognizing that, you know, employers have a really big responsibility to their employees 
for how mental wellness is supported in their day-to-day work. Access to resources too. Yeah, exactly. And so we're trying to kind of shift that corporate culture so that it's not just like, hey, you know, come to work, perform 110% all out and then deal with your stress on your own time. Mm -hmm. You know, we're trying to really shift that culture to be like, no, let's actually provide some structures, you know, in the corporate culture to support employee well-being throughout the day. I love that. And that's so exciting just to hear that that shift (laughs) is coming and it's, and it's being supported and it's, it really is. I think it's, we're starting to look at our health as a little bit more preventative versus putting out fires. You know, I, I too hope that especially from a corporate level, they're seeing that shift of how about we prevent some of this stuff before (laughs) everybody get hits that burnout. So talk to us a little bit about, because I've used core. I love it. I think at first, definitely the idea of using another app, using another tool felt stressful to me. But first, yeah, first tell us about what core is actually yeah, for listening. Totally. Yeah. And I, I totally hear that. We recognize that it's like, oh, tech for meditation. Like, are you sure? <laughs> um, People are like, that sounds like an oxymoron. Hold on <laughs> <right>. a second. <laughs> right. But so core was. I started the company about five years ago, really through a research lens. And the biggest thing about the positive benefits that have been found in science around meditation is consistent practice. So it's not, you don't have to change your life and go, you know, sit in two week retreats all the time. Like that's generally not accessible to most of us, (laughs) but you would be great. It would be nice, (laughs) but consistency is really important to the benefits. And so I wanted to figure out what's why it was so hard to be consistent with meditation and try to create something that would help solve that for people and help people stick with it. And so I looked at research behind meditation, kind of technology I could perhaps bring to that problem and also traditions. Um, Mm -hmm. So Core is a physical product um, that you hold in your hands and it connects to our app for audio guidance, which is optional. And the Core device itself actually vibrates to guide different exercises. So you can optionally have the audio from the app or you can put your phone screen like in the other room and just use this tangible guide for these different exercises. And the reason that I think has been so effective and kind of why I initially thought of it is, you know, there are traditions around physical object or external object meditation and the physical sensation of having the vibration guide in your hands is just another sensation that is happening in the present moment that you can rest your attention on. So a lot of meditation folks, you know, there's, you can focus on sensations in different parts of the body. You can do body scans. You can, you know, obviously focus on the breath because the breath is always there. Right. And it's happening in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how we use vibration. It's a more tangible guide for breathing exercises or just as a cue to kind of bring your attention back when it wanders. And that comes from traditional practices, but we're using technology to just make it a more active practice. Yeah. It's so interesting, like just using it at first, you're like, hold on, how's this going to work? But I didn't realize that it was part of it was rooted in like traditional practices, which I guess totally makes sense because you see different cultures using like different, I I'm, I'm, don't even know the words of what they're called. 
called, but I'm, I'm imagining like creating sounds and, yep. you know, mm-hmm. different tools and things like that. So yeah, that's I mean, really interesting. I love that. A lot of meditations, you know, like mantra meditations where you're repeating a mantra, a lot of the traditional mantras are based on kind of the sound, the vibration of the sound. Um, like think oh, of, think of chanting uh-huh. meditations, right. And like, yeah, I can feel totally weird to people. That's fine. We don't have to all sit around <laughs> and ch- chant together, but there's some elements of like repetitive. There's a vibration. reason for it. Exactly. There's a reason they're doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so interesting. So how do you feel like from just your experience in this industry and kind of merging these two, like we say, oxymorons together, how do you feel like, or do you have any tips of how we can really have a healthier relationship with tech as to where it's helping our health, not hindering it and making practices like meditation, you know, habits, things that make our life easier and not adding to that stress? Yeah, definitely. I mean, our our design principles are just so focused on making sure that we're really purposeful in everything we put into the app, everything we put into the physical experience to purposely design for a healthy part of the habit. So we're constantly questioning ourselves like if we send a push notification for example from the app, is that serving the healthy habit that we're trying to help people create or, you know, does that come from kind of our culture of like, mm-hmm. well, let's send push notifications to get people active. Right. So we're like incredibly intentional about, and and we probably do much less on that than most apps for that reason. But I think even the practice of meditation and mindfulness, you know, as we kind of like cultivate that again, that same awareness and control, it helps us be able to introduce that pause to say, do I want to keep scrolling Instagram? Like, you know, I know, Mm -hmm. I know that it's literally designed to keep me scrolling. And so again, cultivating that muscle, strengthening that muscle and being able to use that practice to help use technology intentionally in our own lives. Yeah. I think that's interesting for the consumer, even just to hear and and just be aware about how, you know, maybe for somebody listening to question, how am I using technology? Am I getting sucked in in a way and asking myself, wait, what is the design of this? How is it affecting me? And I, I appreciate that you guys are so intentional with even the push notifications because I thought of, okay, another practice that I have gotten into using my phone is reading like the Bible or like, you know, some sort of like devotional type journaling in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's on my phone because it makes it easy. There's like a calendar to follow. But you're right. When you said that, they send me a notification, which is helpful once when it's like, <laughs> I didn't do it yet today or something. But then they've started to send others like, read this and this. And after a while, it becomes white noise or mm-hmm. it you don't feel that it, it becomes almost annoying in your brain versus, oh, yes, a little nudge. I need to do that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> your, brain, your brain gets resistant to it. And it's like, yeah, wait, exactly. I don't want to open that app. <laughs> yeah. And that that's one of the other reasons we made like a purposefully designed tool that's 100% only about your meditation practice, because then your only psychological association with the core device Mm. is with these times where you're sitting, you're doing something positive for yourself. It's a positive feeling, you know, it's a soothing feeling with the vibration Mm -hmm. and it's not mixed in with wide variety of associations we have with our phone, right? There's incredibly positive things that come through our phone. It connects us to people, you know, 
tons of positive associations with the phone, but there's mm-hmm. also a ton of stressful notifications that you get through your phone. Right. And so 100%. we wanted to create something that actually like, you know, of course sits on your nightstand or your desk and is a cue, which is what these push notifications are, right? It's a mm-hmm. cue in your physical environment for this habit. That's actually away from all these digital cues that we have all the time. Yeah. If we are all about, we talk about habit building on the show mm-hmm. all the time, just because I think it's fascinating. I think for many of us, for me personally, I'm always figuring out how can I make this habit a little bit more efficient or just easier or less, you know, whatever path of least resistance mm-hmm. to incorporate it in my day. And you're right, the core mindsets actually in our kitchen where I can see it kind of mm-hmm. in the morning when I come down, but it really is kind of visually appealing and it just, it's that quick little reminder. So I love that external cue. For yeah. somebody listening, you could apply that to anything really. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, habit formation, I think like the study of behavior science is so fascinating and we applied a lot of that to the design of core, Mm -hmm. but then even that, you know, like we wanted it to be something that you could have in your kitchen and fits into the design of your (laughs) home. It really does. Everyone early for people listening, it has wood as the bottom half, like a real chunk of wood. So it's a good conversation piece. Yeah. And (laughs) everyone early on was like, oh my gosh, it's so hard to make that, you know, to include wood in it. And I'm like, it's so worth it because it can sit in your living room and, you know, you're not putting it, it it doesn't feel like kind of cold technology. It feels very warm. Yeah. That's so interesting. I love that. Speaking of, you know, just behavior science and research, can you fill us in? Is there any, you know, latest research around meditation around, you know, the core product specifically who's using products like this? Why are they using it? What are some of the things that you guys are finding? Yeah, totally. So that has been one of the really exciting things about joining forces with Hyperace this past year, because the reach into these different communities has been incredible. So we're actually working with VA researchers around veterans and veteran health. Um, We're working with, we have a number of NFL organizations that are using CORE, which Mm. For me, I mean, they're using it for a combination of really of just mental wellness, sleep quality, but, and also mental performance. Wow. So interesting. Yeah. And it's just so really representative of the cultural shift that's been underway that mm-hmm. honestly, some of the fastest yeses that we get from organizations is from NFL teams. And wow. that, you know, a couple of years ago, people would be like, really, they're all meditating, <laughs> you know? Yeah. All these, all these big <laughs> masculine men. Yeah. yeah. And um, we're also working with employers across many different sectors from finance to law, to retail, to operators. And we're tracking a lot of interesting data between engagement and outcomes mm. um, so that we can help them make informed decisions about how to support their employee base and also hopefully kind of publicize some of our findings for everyone. I think the most exciting thing that I'm hearing from just these different pockets and populations is that we're recognizing that mental health, it affects everybody. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter what age you are, what, (laughs) yeah, where you live, we can all benefit from slowing down pausing and just being more intentional about where we put our thoughts. Totally. And, you know, one thing you mentioned earlier that you just touched on faith and religion, which is another 
Another thing we hear sometimes less so I would say in the past few years, but I just always like to say too, like it's not in conflict with a person's individual faith. Like Mm -hmm. I think some people, you know, have the, you know, it did come from originally Eastern religious roots, but now meditation in meditation, general, yeah, mm-hmm. um, in general. But you know, now we're really talking about sort of non-religious kind of mental practices, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are similar to a lot of contemplative, you know, prayer practices. So it can really exist hand in hand, and that's just that's something that we we hear as well. Yeah, it can supplement something maybe you're already doing, or you can kind of have it stack it on another habit yeah. that you're already working towards. I love that. It's so interesting to hear. Well, this has been so such a fruitful conversation. I hope listeners are really just if they were, you know, resistant to the idea of meditation is that they start to open up and really open their eyes and think about how it could benefit and maybe just try it, you know. So for somebody who wants to try, they're like, "Okay, I'm going to give this a go." Do you have any tips as far as just that consistency in the practice? Yeah, the biggest biggest thing is to attach it to a routine you already do every Mm. day. So for me in the beginning, that was my bedtime routine. Mm -hmm. So I would just insert literally three minutes to start four or five minutes in that moment where I set my alarm, put my phone down next to my bed, and then I just sit up in bed for three, four or five minutes before Mm -hmm. laying down to go to sleep. And, but if, you know, if you want to insert it into a morning routine, like post-workout, if there's just something that you do already every day that you can add three or five minutes to, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the best way to not forget the intention (laughs) to meditate each day and just introduce it seamlessly. I will say my husband and I fight over the core because we only have one (laughs) (laughs) because at night he struggles with falling asleep, staying asleep. He has a lot of sleep issues. And so I'm always pushing my, (laughs) what I learn about and yeah. You know, try this and this. And he finally convinced, okay, fine, I'll try it. Right. He's one of those resistant to meditation or mm-hmm. all these things. And it really did help him fall asleep. And he mm-hmm. has been using it. And it's it's so exciting. Just oh, I love it. I think that's another, you know, for somebody listening to just try it, you know, because when you're open and you just try it and you have a positive experience, you never know, it might actually really quite literally change your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Gosh, the connection to sleep quality is enormous with meditation. So, I mean, I'm still a nighttime meditator. I love that. And it you can feel it, you know, if you... Mm-hmm. The vibrations yourself. are really calming. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it it gives you, you know, meditation is hard. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not easy. It's like an easy concept to say, and then actually doing it is really difficult. So be patient with yourself. It's like any mm-hmm. new practice, like it's not going to be magic the first time you do it, you know? Yeah. That's a great reminder. That's a great reminder. Okay. I want to ask just a couple more questions before Mm -hmm. we let you go. What is your definition of fit, Mm. of health? The two can go hand in hand. (laughs) I focus a lot in that on adaptability. Mm. Love that word. So yeah, for me, it changes like the actual definition of how, you know, at some point in my life, I was like physically fit enough to run an ultra marathon right now. I'm not, but right now I feel extremely flexible to like currently what's going on in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think a lot about 
like just that feeling of I can respond in the way that I want healthily to anything that's happening in my life, whether that's physical, mental, emotional, work, personal, et cetera. So good. Love that. And last question, we like to ask all our guests this, especially because it's Friday at the time of this recording. What is the best thing that's happened to you this week? I love that question. My mom is visiting for the week and she's actually visiting for, uh, it's been a tough month in the family actually, but this week we've just really been able to make the most of it. Like we're laughing and smiling and having a good time. And so just kind of having fun dinners with my mom has been the best thing this week. It's a little time, especially as I told you before we hit record, I'm at my sister's house and sometimes just doing nothing with family and just hanging out and being together. That's, that's all you need. Totally. Well, this has been so great again, Sarah, where can our listeners find you learn more information? If they're interested in core, where do you like to hang out? Yeah, I love to hang out on LinkedIn. <laughs> so check me out there, uh, Sarah McDevitt on LinkedIn. And if you want to check out core, we're at hyperice.com. Awesome. We'll link to all those in the show notes. And again, there, Sarah, thank you so much for your expertise. We've loved having you on the show. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with a friend. You can subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Talk to you next time.